welcome, 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 welcome to K-Drama School. It's lovely to be here with you all. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being your wonderful selves. I adore you. Yeah. You know, I had a pretty uh, social kind of week. I've been so cooped up just working at home all the time that I just, yeah, I needed this week. You know, I I had lunch with friends. I had phone calls with friends. I drove around to different parts of SoCal to visit friends and go see them at shows or go see them at their apartments or whatever, you know, and it was kind of nice. I missed it. I didn't realize that I was so starved of social interaction until I was actually socializing. And it's like, that's how it goes for writers and comedians, I guess. I mean, maybe not as much with comedians, but, you know, being a comedian is kind of a solo job. I mean, it is a solo job. You know, when you're on the road, you're alone. You're just alone a lot. And then when you have a show and your friends happen to be there, then it's like, oh, I'm socializing. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, he's kind of a new friend. He's like a friend of a friend and he's a school teacher. And he, like his life is so interesting. The things that he says about his life. And I'm like, wow, I just I think I do need more friends who are not comedians. <laughs> I do. I really, really do. Uh, or just friends who are like not in show business. I think I need more of that. I think I kind of miss that. Yeah. And when I think about it, my like closest friends are actually mostly not in show business. Like the majority of them, the closest, the closest ones, yeah, they have nothing to do with show business or comedy or publishing or none of that. So, you know, uh, like if you yourself are not an artist or if you're not doing something creative and, you know, you just like have your own job or your own business or you know you do something that is like different from the creative industries please know that you're extremely valuable yeah you mean so much to us because artists drive one another crazy <laughs> yeah, we drive each other insane like this is something new I've been doing and you know like I, I feel a little bit conflicted about it because it's actually not the nicest thing but this is just what I noticed because I, I was I was cooped up. I was at home a lot and I was just by myself a lot for a long time. And suddenly, like, I'm back out, you know, I'm back out in the open sea. So it felt like lockdown number two kind of experience, you know, like, remember, like, during lockdown, it was we got so used to being isolated. And then we when we were socializing again, we had to, like, relearn how to be social all over. And I was kind of experiencing that. It, there was like a deja vu happening. And I realized... My tolerance for my friends' complaining has gone down so significantly. And it's not even complaining in general. It's like a complaining of a specific kind. <laughs> like I'm so nitpicky about what they get to complain about to me. And it feels cruel. It does. Because as a friend, I want to be open and receptive to all of my friends and everything that they need to get off their chest. However, however, I realize that I need to let them know and tell them if it's too much so that I can continue to listen to them because I want to continue to listen to them and I want to be supportive and just be a good listener. But the only way for me to do that, <laughs> okay, is if I 
adjust it. All right. It's it's similar to like, you know, turning the dial on your car radio or whatever. Uh, but like specifically, uh, a friend of mine, she was like going on and on about this dude that was a fuck buddy or whatever. It's like my least favorite topic. Like my girlfriends who complain about flaky dudes that they just sleep around with. Like it's like my least favorite topic. And she's going on and on and she's like being so specific about it. And then I was like, this is too much drama for me. <laughs> I'm laughing because I sound like such a bitch, but I was like, this is just a little too much drama for me. So can we like uh, summarize it, like may- turn it into a synopsis or a log line? Like, can we reduce it? You know, because it's like too much detail of the drama. And you guys, this actually this this and, and then I did it to another friend like um, but I think I was a little bit softer with her. You know, I'm I'm learning. I'm learning how to execute this kind of request because, yeah, like on the one hand, it does seem rude because, yeah, I'm interrupting their story flow and I'm telling them to adjust their story to my taste. And that's a little bit demanding. That's actually very demanding. However, the purpose is mutual. Like the goal is mutual. My friend wants me to hear her out. I want to hear my friend out. And the way for me to do it is if there are some adjustments. <laughs> oh my God. I'm laughing because it sounds so ridiculous. I'm laughing because I do, as I'm telling you this, I sound like a diva. As I'm telling you this, I do sound like I'm a bit much. But, but my New Year's resolution for this year was I want to be too much. I'm going to be unapologetically too much. That's what I'm going to be. And so that's what I'm doing. Yes, I'm taking control. I'm taking reins over my life (laughs) and my relationships. Okay. the other thing I noticed is that um, my tolerance for just any drama has reduced significantly. After I finished my uh, first the first pass of my manuscript, clap, clap, clap. After I finished that, my uh, tolerance for drama has gone down so much that I haven't been able to tune into K-dramas with my full attention. Yeah. And now it's like I can't I can't listen to my friends dramatic stories and I can't watch dramatic storytelling on Netflix. Like whereas before I could binge watch it now, it's like, no, I can't because I feel irritation. Yeah, I feel this irritation that's happening in my body. And so um, I guess I'm just saying all this because you guys, I don't know when the day will come when I suddenly turn off the TV completely. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm not saying that to be threatening. And I'm not saying that um, because I don't mean it like I do mean it. Uh, I think screen addiction is real. It's not, I think, it is. Screen addiction is real. There are multiple studies that go back years and years and years. Screen addiction is real. And I guess my screen addiction is just improving. Uh, Maybe I'm on the mend. I'm on the recovery. Not intentionally. It's not purposefully. I never actually took uh, that much... I never really thought there was much of a problem with my screen binge viewing. No, I would just binge watch and I wouldn't feel badly about it at all. I would just live my life like that. But uh, as you guys know, or me, my longtime listeners know, I've been on this health kick and changed my lifestyle around in a in multitude, in, in a myriad of different ways. And so like kind of low vibe stuff is starting to fall away. Uh, actually, my 
therapist was like, oh, I didn't realize you binge watched that much. I was like, well, I do a K-drama podcast. I, I watch a whole show a week. Yeah. So I do binge watch a lot. And and I told her, I was like, and I'm recognizing that when I binge watch, like I'm being constantly triggered by what's on the screen. Like <laughs> a lot of these shows with their violence or with their assault or with their sexual assault or with cruel words or abusive scenes, uh, cruelty, all of this stuff, like they are, they're triggering. They trigger me. And then they put me in a weird mood. Um, my... The, there are cathartic moments, though. Like, there are times when I'm watching a show to, like, have a cathartic experience and release something. Like, let go of stuff. But that is less and less the case for me. Yeah. So I think I need to make some adjustments. And I don't know what that's going to look like or how or when. But, you know, this is this is a threat that's a, that's been a long time coming. You know, it's like sometimes my listeners will email me and be like, yeah, you know, you could stop the podcast whenever you want. But like, I'm always threatening to quit, you know, and I feel I feel conflicted because uh, I actually do enjoy it. And I the stuff that I watch, like they do mean stuff to me. And when I start analyzing it, it does like scratch a certain itch for me. And there is a satisfaction. But the conflict lies in my capacity to tolerate infernal dramas. That's where we're at. Yeah. Who knew that this day would come? You know, like, I mean, like there was a time when I thought drinking, not drinking alcohol anymore was an impossibility. Like the thought alone, just the thought of like, ever possibly quitting alcohol was just inconceivable to me. It was so foreign and so like frightening and scary, but turns out it was not a big deal and I was able to quit it like no problem. And to this day, like 3 years, I don't I don't feel the desire to drink at all. Like at all. When I see alcohol, like it's just I don't feel the need. I have alcohol at home. I don't feel the need to open it and drink it. I'm just really really done with alcohol. And I don't know when the day will come for television for me in the same way. I don't know, you guys. I mean, what would, what, who and what would I look like without Korean dramas? Oh, I'm having an existential moment right now. And it's real. It's happening in real time. And you're witnessing it. We're witnessing this together. We're doing this together, you guys. We're all a part of this. Yeah. What would you look like if you'd suddenly turned off the TV and you had all this time to just do something? <laughs> oh my God. Not to say that you're not doing anything with your life. You're doing a lot and you're doing great. I promise you, you're doing great. The Good Bad Mother, which is a JTBC drama. It just stopped airing this past week. Uh, 14 episodes, I think, which is a very like weird and ambiguous number of episodes, but... Yeah, I mean, you know what? You do you, K-drama people. You guys do you. Ramiran is the uh, star. She's the lead. She plays a woman named Young Soon, and she gets married to a man, has a son, but her husband gets killed by a gangster and CEO named Mubyuk. And then she becomes a single mother. The show has an interesting perspective on disability. First of all, the show is critical of the word pabu. Okay, so pabu in Korean. Uh, is uh, sometimes used to, well, not sometimes, It's it was commonly used to describe a cognitively disabled person. The word pabo in Korean translates literally as stupid. 
that's the that's the translated English word papo. But when papo is used in the context of a cognitive disability, papo is no different from the R word. All right, it's like the same thing. So the show uses the word papo and is self-reflexive about its meaning and how it is applied towards people with cognitive disabilities. So it's both self-reflexive. But using it, but also critical of it as well, and it's like not—it's not that black and white. Yeah, like the doctor uses it, the mother uses it, the son who has the disability uses it, the whole town who knows the family—they use it. And I think the show is instructive in sort of showing like. Look at how common it is. Like, look at how accepted it is to just call cognitively disabled people stupid. Look at it. It's like just showing, showcasing it, like a theater, right? And then later on, when Kangwoo refers to himself as Papu, Ramiran's character has a moment. Like, she's like, "Whoa! Like, how dare you call yourself Papu? You are not an idiot. You are not stupid." You were not an R word, right? Like she makes it very clear, and it's like she didn't realize what this word and the meaning that it had until her son was being called this term for his cognitive disability. On that topic, and this has more to do with like my own personal journey at the moment. I'm really like very attentive to languages and words um as you know i'm a writer and i'm a comedian i'm a podcaster i'm a ya- i'm a blabbermouth i i yak a lot i talk a lot and i think that words are important uh words are very very powerful they do become some they have impact words have impact and they do become whatever you know We give meaning to right, like when we say a word, it does become something out in the external world, and so language is very important. And the way that language evolves as our human consciousness collectively expands, I think all of those things are important, right? Like we don't use the R word anymore to describe people with disabilities, right? But we still use the word "stupid," and I think I probably talked about it on this podcast. Like, I don't know why people use the word "stupid" to describe one another when it's like literally the same exact thing for why we don't use the R word, because the word "stupid" implies the same thing. It's like, oh, you're a little dumb. You don't know as much as me, and therefore you must be stupid. Meaning, like, you must be defective, right? And that is, to me, no different from the R word and how the R word is used. And so, why do we continue it? Something to think about. I was talking to a couple friends, several friends actually, about this because I just started doing this. But like, I I started listening to uh, affirmations, like recordings, like they have like hour long recordings of affirmations, or twenty five minutes, or sometimes eight hours long, of just like some Australian lady say, saying positive things, like I am beautiful, or I am nice, or I am abundant, or whatever. Like she'll just say a bunch of shit and. I listen to this as I go on my daily walks. I walk for like an hour and a half every day, and I'm not gonna lie. Like, it the difference is substantial. I do feel it actually, and the reason why I mention that the difference is substantial is because my walks are usually plagued by flashbacks, 
every time I go in a neutral sort of autopilot mode or a default mode, I get these trigger flashbacks in my head. And like, you know, scenarios, like the worst the worst scenarios from my past or, you know, whatever anxiety stuff will start like flashing through my head. And um, that sort of ruins the walk for me, you know, even though I walk for exercise and for my mental health health or whatever, but like I'm always in a triggered state. The positive affirmations for me puts a lot of that at bay because what's happening is the reason why my mind goes to those dark places is because my mind is only filled with dark and negative thoughts. My developmental years were only filled with like negative words, harsh words, trauma, trauma, trauma. And so the raw materials that I have inside my mind to create thoughts like narratives they have a lot of negative words. And so I'm inserting positive words that are not part of my Rolodex and I'm inserting them into my mind like taking a vitamin supplement so that I have other words to rely on, to fall back on. And I think that's important because before I did not see the the significance or the importance of affirmations. Like before I would read about it, like everybody talks about affirmations in LA and there are books about it. I've read the Louise Hay book, but I was just like not that convinced because when I say positive affirmations, I was, I would always feel like an idiot, right? I would feel silly. I would feel like this, this is ridiculous. It doesn't feel relevant. I didn't understand. But now I fully understand the point. And it's because my headspace needs new furniture and it wants new furniture and wants nice, fancy, clean furniture. And the way to create that furniture is by adding in the raw material. And that raw material is a word like nice or pleasant or sweet or affectionate or kind or generous or whatever. Nice, positive words. So words have impact. Words are very, very powerful. And positive affirmations in my experience, in the last five days, have been effective. <laughs> so I recommend it. I recommend it. While we're talking about the good bad mother, we gotta talk about actor Yi Do Hyun. Yi Do Hyun, we've seen in Hotel Del Luna, Sweet Home. I didn't watch Sweet Home yet. I mean, it's getting a season two, but you know, it seems a little too gory for me. He's in The Glory. Yes, I talked about it when we were talking about The Glory. And now he's in The Good Bad Mother. When I, when I saw uh, Yi Do Hyun in The Glory, I really could not understand his appeal. I was like, how on earth is this little boy the, the lead male co-star to Song Hye-kyo? How is he doing that? Opposite Song Hye-kyo, she's like 20 years older than he is. And he's not particularly handsome. His acting is very lukewarm. And in fact, he's so young that it seems awkward and weird and clunky. However, in The Good Bad Mother, Yi Do-hyun is able to flex his acting ability way farther. He's way more versatile. He has a lot more range. And he has to be because he's generating a wide range of emotions to play like a serious, cruel, and rigid prosecutor down to suddenly a vulnerable, childlike, messy, romantic, and earnest little boy trapped in a grown man's body. And I think he did, he did a really great job on this show. Like, I was, like, able to see, like, oh, like, he's really dip, 
like digging deep to bring out some of this stuff. Even playing a person with a disability, I mean, that's not easy. You know, yeah, it, like it requires a lot of sensitivity, you know, to deliver that role. And I think he did a decent job. Ramiran, she is. I mean, you all know Ramiran. Like she was the cheetah mom in Reply 1988. She is an an incredible actress, and I was really happy to see her have this unique opportunity to play a first lead on a show, but as a mom, as a single mom, as a single mom who has a very deep shadow side to her, and she's like such a tour de force. First of all, I don't think people know this about Ramiran, but Ramiran has done like. A lot of cinema before she became a big TV star. She was in、uh, the Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Yeah, she plays one of the prisoners. She was in a- this movie called、um, Mozart Town. It's either no, it might have been Animal Town. Anyway, he made a movie and it stars a North Korean defector, and Amiran played that North Korean defector, and she's amazing. She's amazing as this like North Korean defector in this art house indie movie. She was astounding. I was like, "Holy shit!" And、um, yeah, <laughs>、uh, it, it's it's actually like quite shocking to see her be so like mainstream and commercial these days. And not these days. I mean, it's been happening for like the last ten years, but. Yeah, it, like she's very, very impressive. Like her range is very impressive. So anyway, I was very happy to see her play this role where it's like, again, playing a lead as a single mom. That's not typical, right? Like, I'm sure Ramiran had a point in her time in her youth when she wanted to play the lead actress in a rom com, right? In like a romantic drama. I'm sure she's had that. You know, a lot of actresses, their dream is to be the lead star in a melodrama. That's that's a lot of actresses' dreams. But she's playing a single mom, and you know, like she does an amazing job, right? Because Young Suk, the character played by Ramiran, she confronts many shadows in this series. She confronts the fact that she lost her whole entire family when she was young, as a teenager,、uh, in a car accident. She confronts the fact that she gave up her dreams as an artist. She confronts the shadow that she lost her husband, but continued to、um, be overly happy. You know, insist on being happy rather than really grieve and mourn him. Right with her son, she confronts the shadow of herself—the fact that she was an overbearing and helicopter parent who was also abusive. Okay, she like withheld food, withheld affection, withheld withheld love. She didn't let him play. She didn't let him pursue art. Right, like she raised her boy into a prosecutor as she's always wanted, but that prosecutor was basically designed to be a weapon for enacting vengeance on her husband's death. So she really had to pull back on her maternal affections to toughen up Kangwo. Like that's how she raised him. But that's a shadow that she faces because she's confronted by her young her young boy、uh, Kangwo when he turns seven years old, mentally seven years old, and he remembers like, oh, she wouldn't let me eat because I have to study.、Hmm? I think that kind of shadow work is something that all of us will be doing. Moving forward, because as of today, as of today, June eleventh. Oh, I'm recording this on Sunday, June eleventh.、Um, this is when 
uh, I think it's like Pluto is moving into Capricorn or something. Like, I, I don't know. I saw something in the astrology charts. But basically what it's saying is um, about what year is this? Basically, back in 2008 is the last time when Pluto was in Capricorn. And that's when the United States as a country had to face its shadows. And they were talking about the financial crisis and the recession. So apparently, like, the the country and the Earth has to prepare for dark times. And that does not mean that the shadow is something to be, like, something to be fearful of. I'm not saying this to freak you guys out. I'm not saying this to be like all weird and woohoo with you. I'm just saying this because it's also part of my current journey at the moment, but also because it it affects all of us as a collective and as a whole. And I think it's important for media to also try and get this understanding, even though I feel like the work towards that will be way longer, if not possibly even an impossible journey. But anyway, what I mean is the way that... Uh, commercial television and the press like newspapers and the news the way that it um, depicts or illustrates human beings or characters is very one-dimensional right it's like good versus bad you know good mother bad mother villain versus hero okay so like there's a there's a splitness to the way that we conceive of characters and human beings, right? Because like, you know, in the news on one day, it's like, oh, this man, he's a philanthropist and he's so rich and he gives a lot of money to charity. He made his billions doing X, Y, Z, da, da, da. And there's like this like praiseworthy, like portfolio, like a port, you know, um, profile of this person but then let's say time passes and something about him gets exposed uh his shadow like oh it turns out he was uh, abusive towards his wife turns out he like molested kids or it turns out he sexually assaulted his assistant or whatever you know and the reason why i bring this up is because i think like as an audience or as you know readers or viewers we take sides based on how the media portrays these people yeah it's easy to take sides based on how they get constructed but i think it's it's important for us to recognize that they're all constructs that they there's a motivation behind how and why these figures get constructed the way that they do and there's a bigger truth behind all of this which is that we need to recognize that everybody has a shadow side we all do Like when the earth is spinning and there's light on one side, the other side is dark. Okay. The the light on the dark are just light and dark. They don't have like any other, you know, how do I say objective judgments beyond that. There's no evil and good or, you know, yeah, like demonic versus holy. Like there, there isn't any of that. The shadow is part of the person as a whole and everybody has it i just feel like we as a as human beings and as society as individuals just have a hard time facing that or confronting that and i know i do i really struggle with it Uh, but i'm at a point in my life where it's like i'm not gonna ignore it or i'm not gonna pretend like this isn't real i'm not gonna pretend like this doesn't haunt me and that it shapes 
my choices and dictates my life. And I don't want anything to dictate my life. I don't want my fears to dictate my life. So like right now I'm sort of in the process of doing the shadow work. And so it was interesting to see a character, a single mother, sort of going through her, her woes, you know? And it's not a linear process. Like she was quite messy about it. You know, she like faces her shadow. And there are times when she loses her temper at her son because it's like, what's happening? Like whatever her son is doing, it's also triggering the fact that like, She's done this to her boy. Like the the choices that she's made has impacted her son. And now it's, you know, flying back in her face. And she's like, and she gets frustrated at times. But overall, it's always like, how do I, how do I confront it? How do I face it? How do I face it? And that kind of activeness, I can make, let's even call it just activism is a personal activism. That personal activism was to me very moving. It showed such bravery, really. It showed such a human like courage. And of course, it's all fueled by love. It's all motivated by love for her son, right? Like she thought on the one hand, like, oh, she thought that uh, overtly like helicoptering, like tiger parenting, lifestyle towards her young boy she thought that was loving but later she wakes up and she realizes no like that wasn't quite the right way to love yeah isn't that weird like isn't it weird that there is a right and wrong way to love hmm I don't know what do I think of that sentence there is no right or wrong way to love but um I think there is maybe perhaps is this agreed upon, right? Like, is this agreeable to both? To both the person who is loving and the person who is receiving that love? Like, let's say I'm loving in a certain way. My intention is loving. I want to love. But the person, if they're receiving it and they're like, no, I'm suffering from the way that you're loving me, then that's not, actually, that's not love, right? So let's let's put it that way rather than say right or wrong because like, we're right now we're doing shadow work, so we're not going to call things right or wrong. We're going to just say, that's not there's no mutual agreement there right when Kangwa was younger she was not able to be a mutually loving parent but when he gets older after all the processing after all the talking after all the finding out after all the the messy stuff the messy processing she's able to see oh here's the bigger love yeah this is me being loving and this is you being loving back to me yeah communication that's what the mother and son are eventually able to come to terms with but i don't know how i feel about ramiran's character dying like that i mean was that necessary what do you guys think do you think it was necessary for young suk to die for me it kind of makes sense that she dies of stomach cancer because uh she was super repressed <laughs> she was really really suppressing a lot there and um you know if you don't let yourself be free you won't let other people around you be free and it will lead to illness. So that's what was happening in her character. So it, to me, there's a logical sense that she dies of cancer, but I wish she hadn't. Yeah, I really, really wish she, you know, was able to live. Like, what was the point of that? Like, did she have to leave the picture completely through death? Um you know what this show reminded me of, actually? Like, when I was watching it, it kind of reminded me a lot of that series Chocolate. 
You know, the one that I was like bitching about how annoying it was when like, you know, Hajiwon's character, she cries too much. Okay, like when I was watching The Good Bad Mother, I was a little, I was fast forwarding a lot of the, the wailing cries, like the overtly emotional moments. Yeah, I was kind of fast forwarding through that shit because I was just like, this is too much. It's like too much drama. See, this is what I mean, you guys. My tolerance has gone down. In the past, I would watch every moment of that and I would cry with them. But now it's like, I can't do it. I'm just too tired. I'm too exhausted. And um, yeah, like this isn't my business. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in that kind of space. I don't know, you guys, I'm changing. I'm changing. I am changing in real time can I say can I say I thought the whole uh pig motif was cute yes the pig motif was cute and in Korea the pig as an animal represents good fortune and money yeah that's what the pig represents if a Korean person has a dream about a pig they usually go and buy a lottery ticket or they'll go to Vegas or gamble or whatever because they had a lucky dream and so they're gonna go and bank on their luck but yeah they raise pigs. Yeah, that's what Young Suk does after her husband dies. She starts a pig farm against everybody's desire, but eventually wins them over. And, you know, the ironic thing, of course, is that even though pigs denote, you know, symbolically, they, they denote wealth and prosperity and luck, a lot of misfortune falls on Young Suk, right? Like, the place burns down, like, her pigs get killed. That was that was really horrible to watch, actually, when they were like culling the pigs, the quote unquote culling the pigs, like killing them, you know, because of disease or whatever. I was just like, oh, that's so awful. Actually, that kind of makes me not want to eat pork because or any fucking meat. I mean, I had chicken for dinner and I don't even know why I'm bitching about something like after I just did it. But farm animals are the only animals that would be culled, right? Like domesticated or you know, animals that get raised by human hands, those would be the only ones that get culled because they'll catch diseases that break out from human hands. Like it's it's whatever environment or condition that the human beings are raising these animals in that creates the illness. And then when that illness spreads, then all the animals have to get killed for no fucking reason. You know, it's just and I don't even know why I get, I'm getting conflicted over that because those animals are being raised for slaughter anyhow so anyway you know what forget what i just said (laughs) forget the whole thing but i do stand by that um i think it's awful that pigs get slaughtered and killed because they are very cute i mean yeah that was the other wild thing this is actually giving me a lot of thoughts right now because when i was in south korea back in 2009 to 2010 i remember seeing these giant trucks with uh, Jeju black pigs. So on Jeju Island, um, Jeju Island has these species of pigs that are black and they call them, you know, just Jeju pigs or hukdeji, like black pigs. And they are specific to Jeju Island. But the, the truck was for pork belly and the truck had baby pigs on the the side on the billboard to advertise like oh we're selling pork belly look how cute these pigs are and I was like that's very um that's a very conflicting message on the billboard you know like this ad is nonsensical it's absurd it's it makes no sense 
And what it's making me think about is how this show uses the word pabu in a similarly conflicted way, but just presenting it all out there. It's like, yeah, contradictions happen. <laughs> contradictions are real. Um, that's life. Life is messy, right? Mom is good. Mom is bad. Mom is mom, right? <laughs> so anyway, you guys confront your shadows. What are your shadows? Write them down. And what do I mean by shadows? What do I mean by shadows? What I mean is whatever side or aspect of you that you are ashamed of, that's your shadow. Like if there is like a, if a quote unquote, a personality defect, right? What others might judge you as a personality defect, that's your shadow. If there's a part of you that you feel like is ugly, you know, that makes you feel ugly or behave ugly. If there's a part of you that makes you like, you know, just yeah, dark emotions arise, that's your shadow. So what are they? List them, write them down and try and make a different choice after you list them. I'm not talking about drastic things. I'm not telling you to like hop a treadmill and stop eating meat. Da, da, da. That's not what I'm saying. Do one thing different the next day. Is it waking up two minutes earlier than usual? Try that. Is it going to bed two minutes earlier or later? Try that. Whatever tiny thing. Like, do you usually walk a certain route to the place? Try walking a different route. You know, that's what I mean by making a different choice. Do something different after you write down your shadows and see if it brings about a bigger change in the long run or inspires a bigger change thereafter. Who knows? But I'm going to bet, yes, it will. It will. 